0: From the American Tobacco Historic District in downtown Durham, this is Due South on WUNC. I'm Leonida Inge. My co-host Jeff Dabiri visits the Executive Mansion in Raleigh, where he has a conversation with two-term Governor Roy Cooper. Cooper, raised in Nash County, has been in politics most of his life, serving in the state legislature and as North Carolina's
1: Attorney General. Jeff picks it up from here. Well, if you can believe it, it has been almost seven years since then Attorney General Roy Cooper ascended to the post of governor of North Carolina. And we thought uh, the first week of Due South would be a wonderful time to take a field trip and try to catch up with the governor about some of what has transpired in the last seven years and much of what may be on the horizon for him and or more importantly, our state. Governor Roy Cooper, welcome to Do South. Well, thank you, Jeff. I'm excited about this new venture for you. Uh, thank you. Much appreciated. Big news this week, Toyota, the next uh, wave of its investment, its plan for battery manufacturing in Randolph County. 3,000 more jobs, billions more in uh, investment into our state's economy. Uh, You recently took a a trip to Japan. I trust that that was a, a fruitful economic voyage. Is that where some of this got kind of finalized and hashed out?
0: For sure. You know, during my administration, we have targeted making North Carolina an epicenter for clean energy. And it's clear that across the globe, companies are responding, that North Carolina is the place that we're going to have the ecosystem of employees who can do these jobs and make the materials that go into electric batteries, make the EV batteries for the EV manufacturers, which will also be, In North Carolina. So we're not only excited about North Carolina contributing to carbon reduction and fighting climate change, but excited about the money that is going to go into the pockets of North Carolina families and communities because of these better paying jobs.
1: Toyota, I think, is emblematic of several larger stories. You touch on uh, the environmental issues, climate change. I think there's also this important thread of, of rural economies and revitalization and smaller towns having to reinvent themselves in a 21st century way, in a creative way. Kind of a broad picture here, but can, can you give us your perspective on… How you think collectively North Carolina is doing as we think about these small towns and bringing some manufacturing jobs back and some 21st century jobs?
0: We are targeting rural economic development. We have to think about the fact that North Carolina is still largely a rural state. Uh, we are growing exponentially in our urban areas but there still remains a significant rural population in North Carolina that needs our attention. And there are manufacturing facilities that we've been able to attract to rural North Carolina to provide those better paying jobs. And then another way I'm really excited about rural North Carolina revitalization is the fact that because of the bipartisan infrastructure plan pushed by the Biden-Harris administration because of American Rescue Plan funding, we're going to be able to connect uh, every household and every business to high-speed internet. That gives people more flexibility to choose where they live. Uh, And they can operate right out of their home or locate a business in a rural area. And I think that our, particularly our smaller towns, uh, which we've paid a lot of attention to through my hometown strong program, where we have a team of people who go to help them to connect with resources across the state and to help them deal with the complex navigation of applying for grants and and, and all of that. Uh, we're excited about what can happen in rural North Carolina, and in fact, what's already happening with the better paying jobs coming there and the fact that it's still a very special place and offers unique opportunities to people, uh, as well as a more peaceful life and lower cost of living. So we, we need to take advantage of that in our state. And I, and I think we are doing that right now.
1: I want to spend a couple of moments on redistricting Republican lawmakers enacted new legislative and congressional districts recently, uh, you have used the term before technologically diabolical to describe their efforts to redraw legislative and congressional districts. Was this time any different?
0: Well, it was almost even worse. I, I, I'd, I'd add to that uh, gerrymandering on steroids. I think North Carolina, unfortunately, is recognized across the country as one of the worst, if not the worst state taking advantage of partisan redistricting, openly bragging about the fact that we're going to squeeze as many Republican members of Congress and legislators out of this process as we we possibly can, ignoring the fact that North Carolina is about as close to a 50-50 state as you can possibly have. We have seen the results of fair maps, seven Democrats, seven Republicans and now of course these maps were drawn where probably at best democrats might elect four with 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 10 republicans so this this is wrong it also contributes to this concern that i see not only in the state legislature but in congress that with the deep blue districts and the deep red districts there's less incentive for these Representatives of the people to try and find compromise Mm -hmm. because on both sides, these representatives are looking toward a primary and they want to be as far left or as far right as they can possibly be to protect themselves from primary opposition, which often precludes getting in and doing the hard work of finding compromise to move forward. Uh, What we need is independent redistricting commissions that are charged with drawing these maps. Uh, it's a it's an innately political thing. So you're never going to completely remove politics from it because it is about politics. But it can be more fair. And that's what I would want to do whenever Democrats get control of this legislature. Uh, I have promised
1: and I will continue to push for independent redistricting commissions that do this work. And this funny thing happens, right? Tom Tillis was a supporter of independent redistricting. Then he becomes the speaker of the state house. And lo and behold, it didn't happen. Phil Berger once upon a time was a supporter of independent redistricting. Um, I don't, suspect you're going to tell us you're running for the legislature and that you're going to have a direct hand in an independent commission somewhere down the road. There's still time. (laughs) There is still time. Maybe we'll get there. Is there a state really quickly and then we'll move on, but is there a state or is there an example of a place that has an independent commission and you go, that's what I want North Carolina. No,
0: I, I, I don't have any right now that I would tell you. I do know that it is, it is moving across the country that this is becoming more and more the way that people realize that we should go what you have to do is to find a way to make it as permanent as possible so that the party in charge doesn't do away with it. Because, you know, Democrats have have done this too. And it's something that, you know, particularly in this time of ultra-partisanship, of, of a divisive country, of, of people who are, are at odds with each other, we need to find a way to Be able to elect leaders who are willing to take the bull by the horns, who are willing to take the shots from both the left and the right to say, hey, we're going to go this way so that we can make progress. What they will be doing is uh, what the silent majority wants to do. A lot of people who are not intensely involved in the political process, who are just trying to feed their family and take care of their ailing grandparents and making sure their children get a good education and making sure they get that promotion at the job, they aren't as concerned about these political battles, but they do care about their roads being paved and they do care about affordable education and making sure people have health care. And that's where we need to make sure that we work to help people get
1: elected who are willing to dive in and do the work that's necessary to move us forward. Governor Roy Cooper here on Due South. Prior to this seven-year, soon to be eight-year run uh, as governor, you were the attorney general for 16 years. Before that, you were in the state legislature. You were a state senator, and prior to that, you were uh, a member of the state house. Curiosity's got the cat here. Uh, You were a central figure 25, 27 years ago, and helping to craft the powers of the veto. This is back when you were a state senator. And the executive in our state does not have veto authority over redistricting, save for judicial redistricting. But I wonder, not to pour salt on any wounds here, Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think, oh, man, if I could have done that over, I would have? Do do you wish you had given some additional powers to the executive as it pertains to congressional legislative redistricting? I wish I could have gotten
0: the legislature to vote for additional powers. I worked very hard to get the veto passed. First— I also practiced law for, for 18 years in private law practice and did mostly civil litigation and was the managing partner of my law firm. And back then, we could do more with being a citizen legislator, not as much anymore when they're up here all the time now. But I thought it was very important that a governor have a veto. We were the only state in the country that did not. That's correct. And and so I pushed this legislation. uh. The the bill that I introduced was significantly stronger in that it was, as I recall, three-fifths of of the body, not of those present, which where we ended up. Um, Also, the, the House, the then Speaker Liston Ramsey, was very much opposed to the veto, and he held out for a long time for majority override. And and I would say, Mr. Speaker, that's just voting on the bill again. And he says to me, well, once it goes through the flames, you may have a different result. Uh, that obviously wasn't going to work. So the only way we could get this thing passed, and remember, it was a constitutional amendment. So we had to have three-fifths of the House and three-fifths of the Senate. We'd gotten it through the Senate a couple of times, as I recall. But the House was always the problem. So the compromise, as, as I was talking about before, to be able to get the governor a veto was an override of three-fifths of those present and the governor not being able to veto redistricting and local bills. Those were the, those were the compromise that, that allowed us f- to have a veto, which obviously we've used when, when, when we needed to. And I think it's an important part of the legislative process. So yeah, it, it does need to be stronger, but at least we have it. And we had not, we would not have had it had we not continued to push. and finally, get that compromise legislation in place.
1: Fascinating history. I did not know uh, much of that. North Carolina's uh, governorship executive was the final governor in the country to get the veto. I don't have time to get into this now. I really wish. fascinating but, history. Well, And sure. you just mentioned Liston Ramsey. This is yeah. a whole other bit of, <laughs> of history. Yes, and is. you laugh. I want to do this in 60 <laughs> seconds. And you just I, you just tell me what is top of mind, but the history as I know it is that there was this longtime kind of authoritarian speaker, a Democrat in the North Carolina House, Liston Ramsey, uh, and yourself, along with several other younger lawmakers, Bev Perdue, future governor, Walter Jones, the late, great Walter Jones, who uh, served in Congress as a Republican later on. He was a Democrat at the legislature at the time, but there was something of a, a coup. That's the word of Joe Maverick. He orchestrated this, and you overthrew a sitting state house speaker with buy-in from republicans because it was time for a change just it's a great little thread of state. Well, i joined in a bipartisan coalition to elect a new
0: democratic speaker and it <laughs> was it, it was yeah. it was an important part of uh, of governing at the time uh, we need more bipartisanship uh in government both at the state and the federal level uh, as governor, I've worked very hard, and we've succeeded in bipartisanship in a number of ways, economic development, getting Medicaid expansion, getting this clean energy bill through. There there are a lot of places where we were able to use bipartisanship to get things done for North Carolina, but also when you have extreme Republicans who are controlling uh, the, major- the supermajority in the legislature. You have to stand up and fight those very bad ideas that not only hurt people, but hurt the reputation of our state and ultimately potentially the economy of our state, which is why we need to continue to fight back on these extreme bills that we see coming from the leadership, particularly over the last few months. We've, we've been able to hold them in bay for years But now that they have the one vote supermajority in each chamber, we've seen uh, a rebirth of bad ideas. And these next elections in 2024 are going to be critical for us to elect a Democratic governor and to break the supermajority in the legislature. Most people during the four years of my term where that situation occurred uh, said that we did some of our best work during those four years Mm -hmm. when we had a good balance and my veto was very effective and we were able to use it as leverage to stop bad things and to get good things done for our state.
1: It's wonky, but the context of it is the first two years you were governor, you vetoed 28 bills, 23 of them were overridden. The next four years when you had sharper teeth with that veto, I wanna say it was 47 or 48 consecutive vetoes that you made and held up. And now we're back in a a supermajority world uh North Carolina was I want to transition again one of the the final states one of the last states holding out on Medicaid expansion uh that is in the process of changing expansion is official as of a month from now December 1 is is this hands down the the biggest victory for you and your administration Oh it's a it's a victory for the people of
0: North Carolina when you think about 600,000 North Carolinians are now going to be able to have health insurance and these are by by far Uh, In large part, working people, uh, many of them with with two jobs, many of them making too much money now to qualify for Medicaid, but not enough to qualify for federal subsidies under the Affordable Care Act, child care workers, bus drivers, people who are now going to be able to get health insurance. And we did this by bringing together non-traditional coalitions of people. I'll just give you an example tough-on-crime sheriffs are complaining that 80% or more of the time that many of their deputies spend are with people who have substance use disorder issues and who have mental illness, and they are sitting with them in the emergency room. They are are having to go and get them from a home, causing a domestic violence situation. And these sheriffs recognize that Medicaid expansion – could help alleviate that problem. And when you have a tough-on-crime Republican sheriff coming to the General Assembly and saying, these people need health care, not handcuffs, when they are saying that, then Republican leadership listens. And we were able to bring those kinds of people, uh, rural Republican county commissioners, seeing so many uninsured people in rural North Carolina, watching their rural hospitals failing and closing, and here. It's, it's unbelievable what we were turning down. We were turning down $521 million a month, a month. And now, December the 1st, we finally said, okay, we'll take that money, and we'll now insure 600,000 North Carolinians. Long overdue, but
1: certainly an important victory for the people of this state. I want to be mindful of your time. Uh, uh, I think one more big broad question. Then I'm going to try to get through just some real quick hitters, lighter ones, fun ones, Hurricane and uh, Tar Heel ones. Um, you have given your last formal state of the state address. But if you were I'll, walk- I'll go if they invite me back. I'll, I'll do another <laughs> one. <but. laughs> I think we would both be surprised, Governor, if they invited you back. If they do invite you back, uh, how would you open your state of the state? How, what is the state of our state right now? So
0: the state of our state. Is improving. We are moving forward in clean energy and life sciences. We're getting better paying jobs for people, record numbers of jobs. We're insuring more people with health care. But storm clouds are coming because of the failure of this legislature to fund public education and, in fact, with private school vouchers on steroids. And the refusal to make the funding necessary to give children a sound basic education—that will not last because the CEOs who are bringing these businesses to North Carolina, their number one priority is a workforce. So I, w- I would say that that North Carolina is in good shape right now. Uh, we are strong, but there are storm clouds coming because. Of the failure to invest in public education and we've got to stay out of these cultural wars uh, to come back and take away women's reproductive freedom even more to attack vulnerable LGBTQ plus children in our schools only for the political victories that they believe that they are getting from it actually turn away a lot of the businesses bringing the jobs that we want. So there is concern and why there is these these elections coming up in 2024 are so important. And I and why I will be even though I am not on the ballot, I will be working as if I were because I know the importance of electing Josh Stein as governor. I know the importance of breaking the supermajority in the legislature to the importance of that to the future success of our state. We're the number one state in the country for business two years in a row. It's because of the people. It's because of who we are. But that can slip away if we don't fund education from cradle to career and we continue these
1: escalating cultural wars. We're going to save 2024 for another time, but I will note that you're also uh, the chair of the Democratic Governors Association. And I am immediate past chair. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I I chaired it during 2022, uh, where in a a year that traditionally is bad for uh, the party that is not in power at the president in the White House, uh, we ended up with net plus two Democratic governors across the country and uh, won these important swing states. Uh, against extreme Republican candidates for governor across the country. It's a positive thing.
1: And putting my political analyst hat on, which I probably shouldn't do, the issue of abortion was a, a factor for in sure. why Democrats, Democratic candidates were stronger perhaps than was anticipated and, or as and, history and, would indicate.
0: And, and I'll slip in here and say that it will be an issue in North Carolina because the Republican Party here in this state has staked itself out, even though a number of legislators said they wouldn't do it. Every single Republican in the state legislature voted to override my veto of this bad abortion bill. Every single Democrat voted to sustain my veto. That means that this bad abortion bill went into effect by one vote in each chamber. One vote. So regardless of what they might say in this next election, we know where Republicans stand On women's reproductive freedom and it will
1: it will make a real difference in this next election I believe we're gonna make quite a turn here but governor Roy Cooper here on due south some (laughs) lighter quick hitters to um, to wrap up this interview we appreciate the time Uh, we appreciate the candor Uh, first thing you do in the morning last thing you do at night (laughs) first thing is I grab my
0: diet Sun drop and make a peanut butter sandwich is the first thing that i do in the morning i am good to go uh when i do that and this is this is I, for people that don't know this is your drink you love diet sun drop I, I do now i, I like you know, i know that pepsico is incorporated in north carolina and pepsi's the pride of the carolinas i also like diet mountain dew so I, i'm i'm there i'm there as well too little little sweeter uh, diet soda drop a little t- more tart. I've I've said often I'm a diet soda sommelier, so so <laughs> you I'll, I'll you know continue to say that. Um, in the evening, usually uh, I, do, I I say my prayers every evening, and I usually am reading something on my Kindle. I've I've learned that heavy reading documents, briefs, memorandums, you can't go to sleep. So I'll generally just read, I'm, I'm reading, uh, I hadn't read, I, I, I like spy novels, and I hadn't read the John LeCare, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy. I just, I read the spy that came out of the cold, and I'm reading that second one. And, you know, I know movies have been made, I haven't seen them, but I love, uh, I love spy novels. So I do a little like reading, not a lot, but usually it makes me sleepy and I go to bed. So
1: Can you ice skate?
0: Can I ice skate? This is a debate in my family. Debate between I homies. say that I can. Okay. My children say that I look like Frankenstein when when I when I do. What does what, the first lady say? She she's just probably hoping that I land on my keister. Don't keister don't hurt yourself, again. okay. <laughs> no. Land on my keister. <laughs> Not hurt myself permanently, right. but she 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 would love to see me fall. But um I, and I know you're you're leading up to hockey, so listen. And you're getting excited. I, I, I can yell. At the, I know exactly what they need to be doing, and so I get a chance to to yell at them and 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 tell them that that uh, they shouldn't pinch on that play. And I get to do all of that, even though I can't
1: even begin to even. Listen, do that. you don't need to have made movies to be a movie critic. I there grew you go. up. Uh, near a pond in the Northeast. And I, you are probably a better skater than I am. I'm not a good skater. And that's kind of sacrilegious to say from the Northeast. Uh, you and I are chatting here in your residence for the next 14 months, the executive mansion. Uh, and uh, behind me is this wonderful framed picture of the 2006 Stanley Cup champion, Carolina Hurricanes. And there are three pictures of the cup. Um, and you are in one of them. This is as attorney general hand wrapped around the cup. Uh, it has been 17 now. Eight, this is the 18th season since they last won it. How confident are you that 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 cup's going to be back in North Carolina come June?
0: Well, you know, I've been been deemed to be the Caniac in chief, and mm-hmm. I and I wear that mantle you proudly. Uh, I had season tickets myself for years. Huge fan uh, in good years and bad years. So it's it's I'm I'm always I can't go to as many games as I would really want to, but I do save them and speed through commercials and and watch most of them. I'll have to admit that. But this is the last year that we can do it while I'm governor. So, you know, you ask the coach, I've I taught him about this, and Don Waddell, I've told them, and Tom, you guys got to win it this year. And I want the cup for a day at the executive mansion. That's what I want. And maybe the portal will die sun drop in it
1: maybe that would be good
0: that's these are just fantasies that I probably shouldn't say because I'll jinx it but but this is a year we can this we have a good team we've had a little rough start but I'd almost rather start off a little rough and then peak when it's time when it really counts and I think this team really has uh the players the ability the experience Uh, To get it done this year, you know I did Mike Maniscalco Maniscalco and Trip Tracy. I I called a period with them. I did.
1: Yes, I I think I called. That's my next. That's my next gig. Sportscaster. Uh, You are, of course, a graduate of the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. You were a Morehead Scholar there. Uh, Give me just a. I'll I'll ask it this way. Uh, Sweet sixteen. Uh, do the Tar Heels get to the Sweet 16, advance past the Sweet 16, or other here in the 2023-2024 men's basketball they, season? They, and
0: they will win. They will win this this year for me. They're, gonna, they're going all the way this year. All and right. listen, I, every year I do my brackets, and I I play no favorites with with the Tar Heels. Really, I'm feeling good about not at all. The, okay. I'm feeling really good about this team. I, I like the transfers, uh, freshmen a little better than than we thought they
1: might be. So I'm I'm ready to do it this year. You're a father of three. Your girls are grown. I've got a five-and-a-half-year-old son, a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Did you have a favorite or do you have a favorite time uh, or favorite age oh, where wow. your daughters were?
0: You know, I, and I know this is probably cliche to say, but I've, I've cherished every age for them. And what I have found is that I have to be different Uh at almost every age for them in order to engage with them in a way that is, is positive. And so, you know, I loved when they were younger cause I'm a kid at heart and playing the games and uh, playing with the toys and, you know, I really liked doing that stuff. That was great. Yeah. Uh, but as they've gotten older and dealt with problems that they, they have to face, you have to, to turn a little bit in that way. And I'm deeply grateful for my family. Um, Kristen has been an amazing wife and, and mom and partner through this process. And our three daughters, I just couldn't ask for anything better. I'm, I'm very proud of all of them. They're all doing different things, but they all still live in North Carolina and all are products of our public schools. They all, graduated from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and one of my favorite pictures is all three of them wearing their caps and gowns around the old well I mean and with a sign saying thanks dad I mean that's 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 hard to beat that's hard to beat
1: so Roy Cooper is North Carolina's 75th governor he has been your guest here on Do South Governor thank you so much
0: thank you Jeff